Zam, if I was to tell my younger self that uh, one day when I was an old man, I would interview a man named Pavel, I'd get pretty excited. How about you? <laughs> yeah, I, I think we'd all get pretty excited when we hear when we hear that name, Pavel. Uh, but there, it, it, it's exciting. We're going to be talking about hockey, but uh, not the Pavel that probably either one of us were expecting to talk to. Alrighty, welcome back to Unanchored. Shahid Devji here, Zam Kareem here as well, and we almost wore the same shirt today if you're watching on YouTube or Facebook. Um, we're both wearing blue, but uh, it's not the same shirt, not the same blue, just avoided it. Uh, we, we, You know what? Dating back years, years and years, this is not the first mm-hmm. time we almost wore the same blue. I remember when we were in high school, there was this fair near your house, and we <laughs> both had the same blue sweater. And you wore it, and oh, I was yeah. contemplating wearing it. Yeah. Um, and lucky I didn't, because we would have looked like some uh, two two goofs. And and hey, <laughs> twenty five years later, and we look like some goofs anyway. Oh, for sure, we're still we're still goofs. And I'm pretty sure we went to another event where we w- both wore white t shirts as well. So well, that's I, I think I, a bit more forgivable. <laughs> but the exact same baby blue sweater, I, I, that's that seems a bit planned. And yeah, you're uh, yeah. you're right. It's not thinking back, and wouldn't have been the best looking. Good thing we're not wearing the same thing today. And uh, uh, before we move forward, I just want to thank those that are that that have been paying attention and listening to the pod the, these last number of weeks that we've been on and been getting so much positive feedback, uh, even from people like yeah, not getting... that you need that for your ego, Zammer. <laughs> no, it's, it's it's just great to 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 know that people are are consuming our content, people are uh, are getting a chance to enjoy the podcast and enjoy the some, the interviews that that we're uh, recording and as much as we are and 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 thanks for listening and share it with your friends and family uh subscribe on facebook and other uh, uh on facebook youtube uh sorry yeah you're still getting uh, your uh, your uh, your your social lingo down My, subscribing yeah. on facebook and such and yes um but uh you know you're you're right um it's been it's been fun to do and it's been fun to talk about with people and and uh, we're, we're glad people are enjoying it this is the last of our pre-recorded interviews so to launch this podcast we we recorded a bunch of interviews to make sure we would have enough to get out there and, and keep the momentum and and we when we said uh, in our little uh, bit at the beginning that our guest is is named Pavel and if if you uh, if you don't know who Pavel Barber is um, he's got a interesting story and and we're excited to share that but why why younger Shahid and younger Zam might have been <laughs> excited to to interview Pavel uh, you know back in the day is because we both grew up uh, hockey fans and Canucks fans and and Pavel Bure was the the Pavel du jour and uh, you know any any hockey player with the name Pavel is going to be a skilled one likely from <laughs> Russia not Canada but uh, but this one we're interviewing today is is Canadian super skilled and he's got a really interesting story as to how he you know, became successful, how he makes a living these days and, and who he makes a living working with. So really excited to, to talk about that. But uh, yeah, end of, well, call it phase one or whatever you want to call it of, of Unanchored. Mm-hmm. And it's it's been a lot of fun. I'm, I'm excited to see what comes uh, next for this show. Oh, it's been a ton of fun and, and excited to, to launch phase two. And hopefully we'll have a, a bunch of great new interviews coming your way shortly. Um, it's been such a, a growth experience for me uh, just to get back on air again. I, it's been about a year since I had last been a year and a half since I'd last been on air uh, back in Montreal. And it's just great to have those conversations. Great to just, you know, talk about things 
and, and kind of just talk about things that are that are happening in the world and important things and and it was really important that during this period of time we we talked about the the black lives matter and and racial justice protests that were happening that were happening and continuing to happen and uh it, it it's important that we continue to uh to, to also during this period of time which we're still living through this uh covid 19 pandemic uh just kind of check in with each other, check in with ourselves and, and even give ourselves just a little bit of a distraction from the day to day, whether it be work or looking for work or looking for apartments, uh, uh, looking just kind of the day to day life. And, and, and on that, that front, uh, happy to say that finally found an apartment. That's, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's great. But you, despite that, you, you've said that in our upcoming episodes, you, you might still be in multiple locales recording for, for those who watch on video. You will have noticed that Zam has had many a, many a backdrop throughout the first, I don't even know how many episodes we've recorded at this point, but um, you know, we, you, you've had more backdrops than you have than we have recorded episodes that's for sure <laughs> yeah and, and i think we'll continue that trend and uh but uh it's just uh, sometimes I, I like to 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 mix up my my well sometimes it's out of a necess- necessity sometimes it's a, it's out of pure comfort just to to now i finally found a space that's comfortable but i'll once i once we get into our, our apartment then uh, that'll definitely be a place where I'll, I'll probably set up a, a workspace as well, but I'll probably end up using this space here uh, because it's nice and big and, and has really good light as well, yeah. unlike, uh, unlike my office in our new apartment. Yeah, well, I mean, it, podcasts generally, the backdrop doesn't matter. So <laughs> as, as long <laughs> no, as you sure. got a microphone, we're good to go. And um, it, it's interesting, the timing of, of this episode with Pavel Barber, um, it, it looks like, and we, we talked about it for, for, for weeks and weeks on this show when we had a kind of hockey themed guest prior, but, uh, when hockey would come back and, and us as, as hockey fans, even as early as our, or, or as recently as our last episode, we were talking about, um, things starting up again and, you know, you enjoying the, the content that you're consuming, talking about hockey once again. And whereas I was thinking, just tell me when they're on the ice, but getting back on the ice is actually getting, you know, teams are back on the ice. Uh, if you're a hockey fan, you know that. And if you're not, um, well, if you know someone who is, they're going to be watching hockey or and other sports again quite soon. Um, knock on wood. And and so it's good timing that we're we, we're talking to and releasing this episode with with Pavel Barber because I, I think the appetite is there. Um, and and there'll be more and more hockey content coming out on the internets and interwebs uh, these days. And 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 it'll certainly be a lot coming from from Pavel Barber. So. Yeah, that's uh, it's good timing. Um, I I came to know of Pavel Barber um, prior to actually knowing that he was um, this big social media star. Um, I worked for the Canadian Field Hockey, uh, I guess, association and, and the men's Canadian Field Hockey team, and and he was a part of that team and. Um, prior to me getting there and he had recently left, his name was still in the system. His picture was still in the system. And so I just, I just knew of this, this, this dude named Brandon Barber and, um, the guys on the team still told me about him and how he's kind of moved on to not necessarily bigger and better things, but things that, um, you know, a lot of hockey players growing up in Canada would dream to be doing. And, and that's playing ice hockey, um, in front of an audience and, and making money from it. And, and that was kind of the beginning of his, his journey. Um, and when, once I learned more about him, it was pretty fascinating. Oh, for sure. And, and, and he does some really cool things. He's, he's a pure skill, like 
stick handling coach. And we talked about how he works with some of the best in the, in the NHL right now and uh, works with some up and coming talents as well. And and we talk about it during our interview that how he, he works with this Japanese kid who is uh, an up and coming talent uh, in, in Japan and uh, having a chance to see some of his videos uh, through Pavel's uh, social media channels. Uh, it was just really cool to see how uh, high-end talent uh, comes through no matter where in this world uh, someone can live. Uh, strong hockey talent can come from, from, from anywhere and not just Canada or United States or Northern Europe. So it, it's yeah. really cool to see. Yeah, so um, for, for those of you who aren't hockey fans and don't know about Pavel Barber, here's why I would say you should stick around and listen to this interview. One, um, it's a great story of uh, knowing your passions and following your passions and, and sticking with it and finding a way to make your passion and dream come true. Uh, two, um, it's, a, it's a great story about the business of social media and how you can actually make it a living and, and how that kind of worked for Pavel Barber. Um, and then three, uh, just, a, just a, a really entertaining and interesting guy for for those who aren't hockey fans but for those who are hockey fans we we definitely dig into some of the specifics of sort of you know styles and players that he likes and and grew up watching and and what he thinks of the current players and the current style of the game where it's going etc and some of the cool experiences that he had with um, with some with some nhl players so it's a fairly balanced chat and um you know i'm ready to get into it what about you zam oh let's get into it Pavel Barber is a hockey sensation. His name might be as well known as some of the best NHL hockey players of the day. He has more followers on Instagram than Stanley Cup winner and Olympic gold medalist Jonathan Taves and is only a mere couple hundred thousand behind the NHL's best player, Connor McDavid. You could say he's living the dream. And you might be right, or at least you'd be pretty darn close. Barber grew up in Ontario dreaming of playing in the NHL, but along the way, other sports came calling, and he found himself playing field hockey and floorball for Canada's national teams. And while his time in both of those sports gave him and continue to give him memories and experiences other athletes could only dream of, it's ice hockey that was and is his passion. So while playing those other sports, he continued to play hockey, making videos online showing off his skills, and in doing that, rightfully earned the hockey name Pavel. And the hockey world took notice. Barber's online presence exploded on YouTube, then Instagram, and now TikTok. His highly creative and entertaining videos focusing on stick handling not only earned him praise online, but also got the attention inside professional hockey circles. He's made videos with NHL players like Alexander Barkov and has had a roster of NHL and elite athletes as his pupils in his skills coaching business. So while he may not have made it to the NHL, hockey is his life and his business. Not too bad talk about his path to success, what he learned along the way, and of course, hockey. We're happy to welcome Pavel Barber to Unanchored. So Pavel, thanks for taking some time out of your day to join us. Uh, how are you doing? Pretty good, man. How are you doing? I'm doing, doing well. We were just talking off air uh, that we're all cooped up because of this uh, COVID-19 pandemic, and rightfully so. But uh, how, how are things going for you with, with the sports world on hold obviously sports is such a big part of what you do and who you are what's life like for you these days well i gotta say it's it's embarrassing that i don't know what uh, to do with my time when i'm watching tv at night with no sports on no hockey games to watch i'm kind of on the couch twiddling my thumbs thinking of stuff to do so 
um, you know, it's definitely impacted me quite a bit. My work had to cancel two hockey camps and obviously that stuff has slowed down, but, uh, you know, I'm making it by, so it's not too bad. Yeah. It's interesting. I, I, I wondered what, um, what it would be like for, for me, obviously being a huge hockey fan and, um, you know, I don't ever miss a Canucks game. Uh, even if, you know, if I have to watch it on PVR, I watch it. I don't ever miss a Canucks game. Thought I'd miss it a lot more than I do these days now, but, um, I don't know what that says about me these days. But as hockey fans, you know, we've experienced shortened seasons before and, and even ones that have been entirely missed. Does does this feel the same or different to you? I, I would assume I, I know what your answer is because this is a very different situation. But with hockey being gone, it, it, does it feel like you've experienced this before? No, this is it's so different. Like you said, there's been shortened seasons and stuff like that, but you know, this one just stopped so abruptly and so unpredictably, uh, you know, yesterday it was for, supposed to be the first day of playoffs. And it's like, just knowing that in the back of your mind, you're just like, you feel like you've lost something <laughs> so, so dear to you. Cause that's the best time of the year for me, just watching the playoffs, the intensity picks up, but, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things that it caught everyone off guard, uh, obviously fans of all sports. Uh, so we got to make do with what we got, but this is, so unprecedented what's happening right now yeah so what's keeping you busy then (laughs) well i'm doing a lot of content stuff so trying to stay busy and stay active on my social media feed so actually in the back you can see i bought this uh hockey net uh (laughs) to put in my house so i can at least shoot a little bit of stuff um i have some buddies of mine who actually have a synthetic ice rink in their backyard so I've been going there to kind of keep myself sane a little bit. Uh, but other than that, just trying to get outside away from everyone, but just getting exercise, making sure I'm doing that. Uh, it's really been keeping me, uh, keeping me going. Just going to wait for Zam to jump in here. Sure. Yes. Uh, so, so you are creating a lot of new content right now, even though uh, the, the NHL and uh, most professional sports league are paused right now. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to, you know, obviously it's the biggest uh, difficulty right now when there's no actual hockey going on, but you're either digging into the vault or you're finding stuff around the web uh, that is happening. Like yesterday, Jeremy Roenick did a hilarious challenge. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, and stuff like that. Obviously people are getting desperate, getting creative. There's a lot of good that's coming out of it there's a lot of funny good content out there and just trying to stay relevant and you know keep people entertained uh and you know give them the hockey stuff that they miss uh so much right now so what keeps you motivated uh this is like a tough time for a lot of people where we're trying to figure out what the heck we can do with our time a lot of us as he was saying are cooped up in our homes uh how do you how do you get motivated to 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 i guess find new content to do whether it be inside your house or or at your buddy's uh, synthetic ice rink? Yeah, I think for me, I just think of, you know, what life's going to be like when all, all this is over. That's all I'm thinking about every single day. Like, you know, if I woke up tomorrow and all this was over, uh, you know, what situation would I want to be in? And, uh, you know, just, just uh, you know, knowing that everyone's going through difficult times right now. And it's a very unique situation where we're all left you know, pretty much everyone not doing their jobs right now, all this free time uh, to do whatever they want, which is kind of a silver lining in the whole thing. Obviously, you lose a lot of money and and things are are pretty tough. But the silver lining is 
uh, a lot of us are getting that free time we never got before. And we're, sure. we're stuck with, uh, you know, that challenge of what do I do to fill this free time? And I think you learn a lot about yourself as a person uh, in times like this. So I think I, uh, I get motivated just thinking about that. Oh, that's awesome. And, and, and obviously with the NHL's influence in, in hockey, and that's a that's a big miss as you were talking about today being supposedly a day or would otherwise be day two or day three of the Stanley Cup playoffs uh what so obviously you're not seeing skilled clients right now uh would it would this time of year normally be picking up for you or slowing down uh this this time would be picking up uh springtime usually you get a lot of spring teams reaching out you have uh two spring breaks uh you have the U.S. spring break and then the Canadian spring break where I usually fill up a camp. Uh, I usually do one in Chicago every year uh, and then one in Canada uh, every year, but obviously couldn't do those. So it's definitely a, a time of the year that's that picks up for me. And summer is like uh, nonstop for me. It's just bouncing from city to city. So I really uh, am hoping this thing's over by then. <laughs> so obviously so many people know you as as. Pavel Barber, the guy with 223,000 YouTube subscribers and millions of views and half a million followers on Instagram. You're the, you're the guy with the crazy dangles and the, and the funny videos, uh, but you weren't always known for that, I assume. Uh, what was life like before Pavel for you? Uh, well, before Pavel was Brandon Barber, my legal name, which uh, <laughs> even growing up, honestly, like when I was in grade like two and up like no one called me Brandon it was always Barber so uh, right. it, it, it would probably take me a while if someone called me Brandon to respond anyway but uh, before then uh, you know from 2012 to 2015 I was on the Canadian field hockey team uh, doing that and I just had a job on the side to pay the bills uh, working at an ice hockey rink at the University of uh, British Columbia there so that was right before all this kind of uh, exploded I was doing those two things yeah, I was reading an article that you're a quadruple athlete. Not only did you play, you know, ice hockey and and uh, field hockey, um, floorball is something you played, but also baseball. Yeah. So y you mentioned that you played field hockey, and um, you're no longer a part of the program. But I, I came across your name when when I started working for for Field Hockey Canada in, in 2014, and, and you weren't a part of the program at that time. Uh, but you probably weren't too far removed from being a part of that that national program. You know, how does field hockey fit within your story? Because as far as I understand it, um, you know, you're an ice hockey, ice hockey first guy and, and maybe even all the other sports first. But how did it influence what, what you're doing today? Because what I really came across uh, in field hockey, which it was my first exposure to field hockey when I was working for that organization, is that the skill required to play field hockey is is unlike really any other sport I've played. Like I played hockey my entire life, ice hockey and road hockey and roller hockey and ball hockey. And I found field hockey to be as skilled as, as any of those. Did you find that that helped you in, in where you went after that? I think so, yeah. Um, I, I agree with you. It's one of the most difficult sports ever. And uh, anyone who plays field hockey in North America, you always hear like uh, the comment, like, isn't that a female sport or something because here it's not really a popular male sport at all whereas anywhere else in the world pretty much you go other than like uh, Sweden Finland and Russia like they they call field hockey hockey like that is their primary form of hockey and it's a huge sport uh, across the world but uh, playing that certainly helped my hands out quite a bit opened my eyes to new techniques 
definitely helped me refine some things and get my creative juices flowing a little bit more. Um, but it, uh, it was definitely a sport that banged up my body pretty good with how short the stick is, how much you have to be hunched over. Uh, I actually ended up uh, tearing a, uh, a uh, hip flexor while playing because of that. And, uh, you know, just biomechanically speaking, one of the worst sports for your body. Um, and ice hockey was definitely a lot easier on the body with the yeah. fact that you can kind of glide on skates. <laughs> I was surprised that, uh, you guys, when playing field hockey, didn't wear more equipment because it's like literally like swinging a baseball bat or golf club right in front of someone's face, as you're saying, cause they're hunched over. So surprised that there weren't more, you know, facial and upper body injuries, but there's a, there's a lot of etiquette in the sport too. And, and I don't want to spend too much time on field hockey because obviously we're here to talk about the, the frozen game. Um, even though we're getting to the spring and summer, but um, what uh, what I did want to touch on for a minute here is, um, you know, during my time at with Field Hockey Canada, the men's national team qualified for the Olympics for the first time in eight years and went to the the Rio 2016 Summer Games. Uh, I'm sure you had friends, or I'm assuming you had friends, go through that Olympic journey and go to the games. Did you watch them go through qualification? Did you watch the games? And and what was that like doing that? If you did. Yeah, definitely. I watched every single game uh, on on delay, so they had the uh, I didn't get to watch it in real time, but uh, it was amazing. I mean, just knowing the guys, what they go through, it's one of the things because it's not a very well known sport. You have to really be in the program to know the dedication that they have to put in, the amount of work you have to put in, especially for us because we had all of our Olympic funding, which was like nine hundred thousand dollars, taken away from us leading into that. Uh, Olympic so we were pretty much going on bare bones there so when I watched them uh, you know go through that uh, qualification and end up on top I was going crazy like texting all the guys and just so happy for them because you know what these guys give up and they don't get a lot of money for it Uh, it's all passion uh, why these guys are doing it it's all for the love of the game and it was great to see them actually you know come out uh, with an Olympic uh, dream there. Absolutely. And, and, and my last question on this topic is, 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 did it sting a little? Because I know for me, you know, I was a TV reporter. I left broadcasting. And, and when I see my friends on TV doing the things that I once wanted to do, even though I stepped away of my own accord, it still isn't the easiest thing to watch. Is, is that something that stings? But, or, or are you, are you uh, happy enough with what you're doing now? Is this the dream that you've always had and, and not that? Yeah, it's funny. Like, I actually thought it would sting uh, a lot more just, just knowing that. But when it happened, I, like, personally, I, I never thought I was one of the top guys. So I didn't think I would have been on that Olympic team anyway. Uh, so I didn't, uh, I didn't think it, it stung me too bad after that. It was just all feeling really good for the boys and how they accomplished all this. And uh, I kind of felt just honored to have played with them for for all those years and uh the fact that i could watch them actually chase their olympic dream it was uh pretty awesome okay so that's the that's the best way that it could have played out so that's awesome to hear so um we haven't really heard you describe it yourself tell us tell us who you are and what you do if if you're able to sum it up um obviously a lot of the listeners will know who you are and what you do but for those who don't who who is pavel barber and what do you do yeah, so Pavel Barber is basically, the title is Social Media Influencer. That would be the online uh, title. And then uh, my title for 
uh, hockey and, and training would be a stick handling specialist. So um, I specialize in the uh, art form of stick handling in hockey and uh, throughout my camps. We work on all skills, skating being the number one skill, but it's a more specialized camp where we look at puck control, whether that is skating with the puck, whether that's one-on-one -on -one evasive moves, whether it's puck protection, anything related to puck carrying skills, uh, that's what I specialize in. So now are you, uh, Barbara, are you still playing other competitive sports or involved in other competitive sports as well? You, you, we talked about field hockey. We talked about ice hockey. Um, I, I watched a, a video of yours uh, with a skate blade company, roller, roller blading company, and, and you yeah. were talking about playing some other sports as well. Is it something you still have time for? Or is hockey your 365-day, your passion and job? Yeah, yeah, I still play uh, floorball Team Canada. It's it's definitely far less um, demanding than field hockey was just because it's not an Olympic sport. So you don't have to all train together, you know, five, six days a week and all that. So I'm still playing for them. But the vast majority of my time is spent doing the the training because I'm, I'm in and out of the city all the time, flying around, doing camps. Uh, and when I am here, I'm working quite a bit with the uh, on-ice stuff. And, and that's where I want to be. You know, I, I love the sport so much. And that was one of the things when I was playing field hockey, I realized it was time to, you know, hang them up when uh, my mind was just thinking, like, I would way rather be on the ice right now uh, chasing this. So that's when I knew I had to call it quits. Well, there is one, one of your clients or someone that you, you featured on uh, your YouTube channel has uh, – kind of fascinated me for a, a few years now and i've been wondering about this kid aito iguchi uh mm -hmm. you you've featured him a, a few times and uh when he was like 10 and 11 years old and, and that was like five six years ago so wondering where is he now and is he someone that you're still working with and are we going to be getting a chance to see him play in north america yeah, so right now he's 15 years old. He's still playing in Japan. He just finished actually playing in the World Juniors for the Tier 2A for Japan, and they, they won uh, gold, which was good for them. It was expected they would win. Um, I'm still currently working with him. Uh, a lot of the stuff we do uh, online, uh, whether that's me sending him drills or him sending me video packs and me kind of breaking them down for him. Uh, but right now it's, it's a little bit undecided where he's going with it. I've I've advised him to move to North America when he was 12. I thought that was kind of the latest cutoff for him to get used to the contact and the, the pace of the play here. Um, but they're pretty strict on school over there and they wanted him to finish that. So right now it's looking like potentially he'll play in the USHL. That's where he's kind of thinking of going. Um, but uh, I, I don't know the latest, honestly, I don't, uh, to talk to his dad too much about this stuff. I, I just advise him on, on what to do. And then the ball's in his court to pull the trigger on any of those opportunities. But I hope uh, that he really follows through on it because he's put in a lot of work. We'll, uh, we'll get into sort of how the game has changed, but the, the, the route and the path that players take to the NHL has also changed. And, and the USHL is becoming more and more of a viable route, even though it's not maybe the first choice for a lot of people, but it, it'll be interesting to see if, if he does choose that route and, and, and how far he can go with it. And, and talking about the game changing, obviously, you know, smaller bodies and, and more skill is becoming, you know, more and more of a reality. And, and we'll get into that here as we continue our conversation, but uh, let's talk a little bit about the birth of, of, of what you do now. 
you know, how did you start doing your online stuff? Uh, and, and was there a moment that you, know, you could point to that was a clear sign that things were taking off and that, that you had an audience and that this could become something? Yeah, good question. So it started off when I was working at the UBC hockey school. Um, and in between my lessons, uh, we would have this half an hour ice slot where the ice would just sit there. So my buddy was a goalie. So I'd set up my phone on a milk crate and just do shootout moves. And uh, the first uh, shootout video was called Creative Shootout Dangles, episode one. And it featured a lot of moves that people hadn't seen before, a lot of creative new moves, and people really liked it. And that's where it, it all started was just with that. And when I broke into Instagram uh, back then, uh, it was just pictures. Um, so when it came on where they had 15 second videos, I was posting 15 second videos of shootout moves people hadn't seen before. And that was getting a lot of shares, a lot of likes, a lot of people talking. Um, and that's really the birth of it. It was kind of really good timing. Uh, but also just kind of giving people a new spin on hockey. And uh, I think that's kind of where it all started. And a lot has happened since then. You know, you've, you've made videos where yeah. you, you dress up as an old man and, and take some some guys yeah. to school. And you've had back and forth with NHLers. I think, what was it, Alex Barkov of the Panthers? And um, yeah. are you are you in awe of any of what has happened? And is, is there one thing that stands out that you still can't believe has happened? Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, every day I, I'm kind of in awe of the position I'm in. I'm, I'm really thankful for it because in high school, my dream was just to have a job in hockey at all, anything related to ice hockey. But I just never thought it was possible. And going through school, you're almost told, you know, think more realistically. And uh, so, yeah, right now it's like I look back on it every day and I'm like, wow, I can't believe I'm doing this for a living. Um, and in terms of things, I just couldn't believe, I think the Barkov thing, doing the shootout on, on a beach with him was pretty crazy. Uh, I did a commercial with Molson Canadian where we flew on a helicopter to a rink that was only accessible by helicopter. And then they flew the Stanley cup to us, like things like that. You're just like, Oh my God, like, I can't believe I'm involved in these kind of projects so uh it's, yeah. it's a wild ride but it's a lot of fun a lot of nhlers won't even get to do that kind of thing with the stanley cup so you got a leg up on them there <laughs> exactly and i touched it so i feel <laughs> like <laughs> so you got a chance to play uh hockey in the gthl in toronto growing up uh where, where did you play which team did you play for so i played for the north york knights double a team uh for okay. the majority of it yeah and so playing hockey at that type of, of level, uh, it might, must, like, I, I got a chance to cover the GTHL many years ago now and, and seeing the skill levels of, of the guys that are, that were in that league at, at 15, 16 years old, uh, where did the dangles come from? Like, you don't, I don't ever remember there being a lot of time in those, uh, in those games to, to, to try and pull those moves out. So where did it all come from? Yeah, it all came from, I had a line mate, actually, his name was Jake Mooney. He was my centerman. And, and back then, certainly all the years I played with him, he was uh, the best stick handler on the team. Uh, and he actually ended up uh, leaving the AA uh, after 18 and playing D1 college. He was just such an amazing player. And me and him would always talk about like new moves to create or how to apply certain moves and uh for me personally in toronto i live five minutes from an outdoor rink uh, withrow park 
And I would use that rink nonstop. Like I would skip school. I'd go before school or after school. I'd find any time I could to get on that rink and learn. And they would freeze in the winter. Uh, so you'd have ice. And then the summer, they'd have this great smooth pavement. I'd get on my rollerblades. And I became obsessed with Pavel Datsuk. And he was a guy who was always manipulating people with his stick handling moves and always finding new ways to get around defenders. And I would watch his videos. I'd go to the park and I would try those new moves out and I would try and make up moves myself. And I would always try and study like, you know, how do you apply these moves? When do you use them? So that's kind of where it started. And that was probably when I was like 12 or 13 and I got really, really into stick handling. It's interesting that uh, you, you just told that story because my next two questions were about the the name Pavel and then also how you got into the stick handling. And I was assuming it might be Pavel Burry because you're, you're a couple, I think you're a couple of years younger than Zam and I from, from as, as far as I can tell. And us being on the West Coast here, our, our, our Pavel is Pavel Burry growing up because he was, yeah. he was, uh, you know, he was the, the guy to watch when we were kids. But you know the the game you know back in the day wasn't necessarily uh the skilled game that it is you know here today it wasn't like what we were talking about how how the game is evolved to it was, it was more clutch and grab it was more physical um did you during that time it, you know when you were watching the NHL did you gravitate towards the skill guys um you know i'm i'm talking about the fedorovs the kovalevs or or the datsuks or the burays like who who did you gravitate yeah. towards i'm asking you if you're part russian <laughs> that's basically what i'm asking you <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. You think I'm part Russian. I'm full Canadian. But I mean, those names you just listed, I mean, those were the guys uh, I gravitated towards and I would love watching them. I mean, you mentioned Kovalev, like his hands for his time was second to none what he was doing and Fedorov, same thing. And then you evolve that into Pavel Datsuk. And uh, it's it's like watching these guys. It was It was just great to see guys use creativity in such an effective way. Cause that's always the thing with creativity is people think like, you know, it's good to be creative, but it's tough to apply that. Like you have to be very smart and know when to apply that. And these guys just knew where and when to apply these moves. And, you know, Pavel Bure was a little bit before my time. Uh, and, and I didn't watch him too much just being from Toronto, but it's funny because when I watch, uh, I watch a video and that Datsuk move that became so famous on the shootout, so one of my subscribers had sent me a video of Pavel Bure doing that in a game. Uh, and it looked a little bit different and it was just on a rebound. So we didn't come just one-on-one -on -one with the goalie, but it got me thinking like, you know, Pavel Datsuk was definitely watching, you know, Pavel Bure and uh, kind of learning from him. And it's always this like evolution from one generation to the next. And I mean, I watch guys like Matt Barzell and uh, Patterson. I see so much Datsuk. In those guys and those guys uh have commented that they were huge Datsuk fans before so it's great to see the evolution there yeah the passing of the pavel torch so to speak um you know <laughs> exactly. one of my one of my favorite uh Datsuk moves and and kovalev did this you know time to time too and maybe in different ways and it's more of an underrated move it's not on the goalie it's on another player but you know just putting the puck under someone's stick and then going around them you didn't see that you know 10 years ago it, it was you know trying to go around them with your body or go through their legs but just moving the puck and then kind of going around someone that was something that i was when i first saw that i was like i wouldn't even think of doing that but um you know when you're on the backhand kind of dropping the puck underneath someone's stick in between their feet uh 
those guys just made that normal and now now it's certainly something that is is a part of the repertoire of those you know the uh the, the barzells and, and and the pedersons so it is it was cool to see how how things evolved you know for me i remember seeing the the michigan goal for the first time and and practicing in my garage and and then i saw robbie shrimp kind of put the puck between his legs in a shootout and and then lift it onto a stick and spin that's when I was hooked. Was there a, a specific moment for you when you saw someone do something that you've never seen before and you described some of the Datsuk stuff that really pushed you towards being more creative in what you did? Yeah, I mean, I mean, number one would be Mike Clegg, you know, the guy who did the Michigan first. I remember being, I think it was eight years old at the time uh, at practice, just trying to scoop it. And in my brain, I remember thinking, this is impossible. I, like, I can't do it. I don't understand this. Now you see five-year-olds do it with ease today. Um, but that was certainly one of those moments where you're like, wow, like here's a move I never thought was possible. Now I can do it. And that gets you thinking like, what else can I do? Then you got the Robbie Shrimps. Uh, Rob Heisey was another good one. He, he did that like between the legs, 360 scoop, the first guy to do that. Um, you know, you see things like that and it just gets you excited because as a kid, for me, hockey was a form of exercise and a form of fun, uh, a way to express yourself. So going to the park and trying new moves was such a fun thing for me to do as a kid, kind of just like a hobby So watching those guys pull it off and then trying it myself was just so fun. Where do you think the game is? Uh, well, not right now because there's no games on right now. But uh, where where do you think the game has been over the last couple of years? Uh, less clutching and grabbing, less fighting, more skill, more speed. Uh, do you miss more of that physical play? Or is this kind of playing into your brand of being the stick handling specialist? We're seeing a lot more of that being executed these days. Yeah, I mean, it's it's certainly playing right into what I do. And it's that's one uh, another like kind of lucky timing thing for me as a stick handling specialist. Uh, stick handling is uh, more effective today than it ever has been. Uh, and the need for good stick handlers, whether you're on the first line or the fourth line, it doesn't matter. Uh, you know, puck possession is a key uh, statistic in hockey and your ability to con control the puck and make the right play with it, your first touch. Uh, is super important. So uh, coming in there, uh, you know, it's certainly playing into what I do. Uh, I don't, I wouldn't say I miss the physical play. Obviously, I love seeing people bang bodies and, you know, these big hits like you saw in the 90s. But I always tell people, like, if you're a fan of the game, you have to think of players' lives after the game is over. And I was a huge Paul Korea fan. And seeing his career cut short in the way it was and the way, you know, hockey kind of didn't resonate well with him after he retired, didn't sit well with me at all. Um, and I know firsthand from my buddies, like, you know, these concussions can really mess you up uh, for life. So I don't miss that too much. I love what the NHL is doing to keep players safe, not only during the game, but after they're done playing the game. Uh, I love that. And I certainly love the fact that we have more room for creativity and skill to shine through. What was your reaction this past season then seeing what was the Michigan goal turn into the Svechnikov goal and, and now seeing that happen in the NHL regularly. And, and you talked about Elias Pettersson and, and he said that he's going to try it. And I think he tried in the game, but bobbled the puck a little bit. But to me, that's just, it's music to my ears um, and magic to my eyes. You know, do you think we're in this sweet spot now or, or can we, can we keep going further in the skilled direction before it maybe is, is maybe too skilled? 
and and let yeah. you know less less of the hockey that we once knew, right? Yeah, I know. I think we're gonna keep going uh, going up in terms of creativity. Obviously, there's gonna be a limit to you know how creative you can be, and I always tell people there's you know useless creativity. Like you say, like, you know, doing a backflip on, on a shootout move, that would be creative, but it's useless. And then there's fun, like, uh, you know, uh, tangible creativity, like stuff you can actually apply in a game. So that stuff is going to certainly go up. And I mean, my reaction when that Svechnikov goal went in, my phone blew up, like the amount of people DMing me, because I was the guy who's posting the attempts and telling people like, this is a goal that is going to go in like either this year or next it's just an elevated wraparound there's an application in the game and guys are trying it there's probably i think before this year last year there's probably 20 to 23 attempts and zero goals but so many close calls so when fetch nailed that i was going nuts i was like yes like this is it's a huge moment for the game too because it's almost like he he's giving other people permission to try it you know by showing this is possible that opens up people's eyes and makes him think this is a serious move. And then he did it again. Uh, and then Forsberg followed him up. So it's one of those things. Once it goes in once, uh, the floodgates start opening up. Now, uh, Shahid's a, a center. I'm a defenseman growing up. Uh, so we hate seeing those goals. Uh, now, no, no. I, I've tried it in a game multiple times. So I don't hate <laughs> it whatsoever. No, yeah. But uh, how, so now that we're seeing those in the NHL, What's the way for, for it to, not to stop those attempts, but what's, how do you defend that? You know what? It's easy to defend, but it, it relies on you being in the right position. And if you see the attempts that people are trying them in, like what the successful ones, they're, they're attempts where that space is open, where the defender is either off his check or they're, the defenders switch, but they forget to take the other guy. Something happens, which opens up room where the defender in front isn't there. Defending it is as easy as just tapping the stick. You tap the shaft or the blade, the puck's going to fall off. That part is super easy. And uh, if you watch Tyler Ennis's uh, last attempt, he had tried it and the defender was in the right position. He just tapped his stick. It's game over. So it's super easy to defend, but it relies on you being in the right position uh so if you are a person using the move trying to use the move you don't want to use the move if a defender is in uh you know a pretty good position to touch your stick too much but uh you want to look for that opening but just make sure you're in the right position if you want to defend it and then make contact with the stick don't go for the body go for the stick uh, if you're looking to defend this move let's just hope the the nhl which which is not the NFL, it's not the no fun league, but it, it certainly uh, had a reputation of, of being no fun at, at times, doesn't find a way to, to outlaw it. Because, I, I mean, you know, if they just look at their social coverage of these goals alone, they'll know that it's good for the game. So I don't see that happening, yeah. but let's hope that they don't do that. We, you talked about Elias Pettersson um, in, and, and Barzal. There, there's so many skilled players, Fechnikov. Let's talk about your favorite players in the game right now. Who blows you away when you see them? Even you, even Pavel Barber, who can do anything with the puck on his stick. You know, who <laughs> who, uh, who blows you away when you're watching them? Yeah, I mean, all these guys are unreal. And for me, it's, it's pretty easy for these guys to blow me away because they're doing it in the best league in the world. And I'm doing it in my backyard or wherever I'm at. So <laughs> all these guys are incredible. But they, the main guys that are blowing me away, obviously McDavid, uh, everything that guy does is on another level. Uh, Nathan McKinnon is up there 
Crosby has been up there my entire life. Uh, and then Matt Barzell uh, and Elias Pettersson would, would round out the top five for me. Uh, these guys are just in, in their own rights, very, uh, very uh, skilled players with the puck, but uh, also just have other ways of being effective. I mean, you talk about Crosby, puck protection and edge work, ridiculous. Nate McKinnon, his explosiveness, his shot power and his stick handling abilities. Matt Barzell's skating abilities is insane. Uh, and then Patterson, like he's got an unbelievable shot. And then all the skills Datsuk had before that and the amount of creativity he has. It's so fun to watch those guys. Yeah, absolutely. Who thought, who thought Elias Pettersson had a 100-mile-an-hour slap shot? <laughs> yeah, exactly. In well, that five foot eleven frame. Yeah, uh, it's five. He's five eleven, and he, it, when he came into the league, he was like one sixty five or something. And I'm five foot eight, and I'm one sixty, and I, I, I think I clock in at like eighty miles per hour max on my shot. So I mean, his form on his shot and the amount of whip he gets is incredible. Right, the the form and and the technology is is one thing, right, and and so that helps the the shot for sure. But I wonder what your thoughts are about uh, technology when it comes to stick handling. You know, a lot of of hockey players, uh, including myself, for a while, one because I couldn't afford the one piece sticks, uh, but two because I just loved the feel of the puck on on the wood stick. How how has the one piece you know changed stick handling in your mind and and then and then also what technologies are are, are coming that will will sort of help puck control you know in in the coming years? Do you know of any changes to the technology that will help with that? Uh, I don't know any technology in terms of sticks that are going to help with puck control. I do know that blades come in different stiffness. Now stiffer blade uh, usually means harder shot but less feel on the puck. And then you have the more uh, forgiving blades uh, that are more for puck control. You get more feel on it. Um, that's the only thing in terms of technology. Um, I was in the same boat as you. I couldn't afford any one-piece sticks. I was the guy picking out uh, broken uh, one-piece sticks out of the trash can, cutting them off and putting replacement blades in. That was my way of <laughs> having the high-end stick. So I never was able to afford them. Uh, and now I, when I'm done playing, I have them all sent to me and I get to luckily be able to try them all out. But, uh, obviously like the, the weight of the sticks, number one, just being able to move them faster, but just the feel on the blade compared to the wood sticks is second to none. Like it's, it's incredible, like how you can keep your head up now and just know exactly where it is on the blade, how responsive these blades are and just how light these things are. It's, it's insane. Okay. I still keep my 50-30 on me. It's still, it's still sitting in my garage. I got one too. <laughs> <laughs> and I was I was a Naslin fan, so Naslin was one of the last guys that uh, had a wood stick. So I was like, if he can have a wood stick, I can have a wood stick too. But I That's ended, right. Hey. I, I ended up switching, and, and it helped my shot a lot. And so it, it's that sacrifice so that you, you got to make. Hey, before we let you go, I, I did, I did want to touch on sort of the business side of things uh, you know, a little bit here. Obviously, you've turned you know, your, your skill and your passion for hockey and into a business here. And, um, you know, that doesn't come, uh, you know, no real successful business story comes without, uh, you know, a story of, of perseverance and, and bumps along the road. What, what was, what were some of your bumps along the road and, and, you know, what sacrifices did you have to make to, to make this work for you? Yeah. Uh, I mean, in terms of sacrifices, uh, a lot of time, um, you know, a lot of work, uh, you know, to get the, the skills I've gotten to be able to understand it, 
it was fun for me. So I never considered it work, but I spent a lot of hours like on the rink, not only doing the skills, but also I had a notebook I'd always carry with me and just like would write things down, things I would learn, anything to help me build consistency and more understanding of the skill. Um, so in that respect, a, a whole lot of sacrifice in terms of how much time I've really put into that. But again, I just never look at it as sacrifice because I love doing it. I'm really passionate about it. Uh, bumps on the road, not not too many. You get you get a lot of people, you know, even even some friends, uh, you know, telling you like, you know, YouTube isn't the way, or you know, it's like, you know, you need to be realistic. All this stuff. Like I was I was a guy I dropped out of university after the second year because I knew. I wasn't going to like what I got into and I need to figure out a lot more about myself before I uh, commit all this time. And the one thing I never liked too much about the school system was that they didn't encourage uh, risk too much. It was always like play it safe uh, and, um, you know, do it within the system and, you know, abide by this. And there wasn't a lot of room for creativity for me. And for me, I'm a very creative person who needs to think outside of the box and, you know, fall down, make mistakes and pick myself back up. And in terms of, uh, you know, making myself learn this stuff more. So I think those are the main things, uh, you know, just, uh, being told that it's not feasible. Um, it's not possible and, and all that stuff. But uh, I think all, all along, I knew that there was a huge market for this. It was something I wanted badly online as a kid. Uh, so I'm happy to fill that role for people. Absolutely. And, and you talk about risk, you know, one of the risks, that uh, you might have had when you started was having all your eggs in one basket, you know, relying on the YouTube and the Instagram to, to always be your bread and butter. And, and obviously you've got a, a business, you know, with, with the coaching that you are, are uh, I assume, you know, successful with now, but um, you know, what, where did that come from? Did that come naturally? Was that a, was that a, a very conscious decision for you with, you know, with some business training and, and some advice or, or did, did the clients just start coming to you and, and it was obvious to you to make that move? Yeah, definitely the clients just started coming from the videos and I'm the least qualified businessman you'll ever meet. Um, <laughs> I know absolutely nothing about business, but you know, going through this for the past five years, I've learned so much about business and I've had a lot of great conversation, a lot of great role models that I've uh, spoken to, certainly made a lot of bonehead mistakes and lost a lot of money along the way that I, I could have made probably more, but that's part of the process. And those are lessons I learned uh, quite deeply when, when the bad things do happen to you. But uh, I think certainly it was just things kind of unfolded without really planning it uh, too much. And uh, you know, it, it goes to show you, if you do a really good job and you really provide value, people will see that value and, and hire you. And that's all I've really aimed to do. And uh, who are some of the guys that you're working with now, whether it be uh, pros that we know or guys that are that are coming up or uh, on both sides, are you working with any top end female talent as well? Yeah, so I, I do work with uh, some girls here in the Vancouver area uh, that are, are pretty good, uh, pretty good players. You wouldn't know their names, but uh, I probably have a nine or 10 female clients, uh, which I think five years ago just wouldn't exist. It's great to see the explosion of the female game. Uh, the NHL guys I work with uh, are Charlie Coyle on the Bruins, uh, Jonathan Taves, and uh, Vertan I worked with two years ago. I didn't get to work with them this summer. And then Warren Fogle uh, was working with them to, you know, break down his breakaways and stuff like that over 
over video there. That's great. And, and, and do you, do you see your, your business growing? Do you see the, the inquiries coming more? Um, where, where do you see your, your next steps being business wise? And then I'm also curious about, um, the technology in terms of, you know, social media, uh, as you said, YouTube was a place to be. Instagram became a, a good place for video. The TikTok is, is around now. Do you find yourself open to adapting to wherever the people go? Um, so kind of a two-part question, you know, where the business is going to go and then where you're going to go online. Yeah, I mean, I certainly see the business is just keep going up. I'm getting way more inquiries from pro players than I ever have. I think like uh, before, like three years ago, uh, and what back then didn't get any, and the past two years have gotten quite a few, uh, which is great because those are the guys whose opinions I really care about. You know, guys who are actually in the arena, going into battle every day, uh, who see value in what you do and want to be better. I love working with those guys, and I want to make more time uh, to work with players like that because to me, that's the ultimate challenge: is finding ways to make a player like Jonathan Taves better who you think would be impossible. You know, he's very good in all areas, but you have to approach it uh, with the mindset that they have is, you know, you can always be better. You can always find ways to improve, especially the way the game's going with this new young crop coming in. You know, you got to find ways to get better. Um, and then uh, what, was, what was the second part of your question? So social media and, and online technology, you move sort of, you do your YouTube stuff, but you added Instagram to the repertoire. And, and I was talking about TikTok uh, making its way into to, to the forefront now. Um, are, are you happy with what you've got in terms of an online following? Do you find the need to, to, to follow the people around wherever they go? Yeah, I certainly don't feel the need to follow them around wherever they go. Uh, I think for my social media feeds to be effective, I kind of got to march to the beat of my own drum and, and do what I'm good at and just, you know, be appreciative of the people who want to join me on that journey. Uh, it certainly you mentioned TikTok. That's a, a big uh, difference between all the other social media feeds in terms of what content does well. And I love that challenge. I love, uh, you know, I, again, I just as like a hobby, like, finding ways to grow social media accounts, finding what gets people entertained, what people want in terms of content is always fun for me as a guy who loves uh, to challenge his creativity. So that's been a good fun challenge. But uh, I think in the end, it all, I always want my social media feeds to be kind of free advertising to what I do uh, in, in my uh, online or in my real life training um, and to just become one of the best coaches I can, I can be. So, so go ahead, uh, yeah, so, so growing up in Toronto now being in, in Metro Vancouver, uh, are you, which team are you following? Are you a Canucks fan or are you still a, a, a diehard Leafs fan? Because you're probably getting it on both sides. Yeah, I mean, I love Pacific time zone because I get to watch a lot more hockey than I did in the Eastern time. But I, I watch more games of the players I, I, uh, I train. So I watch a lot of Boston games. Uh, I watch a lot of Hawks games. Definitely watch uh, a ton of Canucks games and, and Leaf games as well. I grew up a Ducks fan, believe it or not. I love the movies, and I was a big Paul Korea, Team Mussolini fan. Uh, I don't follow them as much anymore, but uh, I was a huge fan of them back then. And then, uh, you know, the Avalanche, I love watching them just because of Nathan McKinnon. I watch a lot of those games. So really just kind of, you know, watching games now from a different lens, uh, you know, trying to become a, a really good coach. So I'm watching what the best players are doing 
And uh, I think for me, the most fun one is that Boston top line, uh, Marshawn, Bergeron, Pasternak, watching what those guys do day in, day out. There's like so many things you can learn from those guys. Absolutely. So let's let's end off then on and what people can learn from you. What's the Pavel Barber philosophy? What what piece of advice can you give to to young hockey players and older ones alike to to take the next step in their in their stick handling and and play with the puck? What what's the most important thing? What's one thing you can leave us with? Yeah, I think whatever you're doing in your training, just realize you're always trying to be more consistent with what you're doing. So when you are training, you want feedback from everything that you do. That way you have a platform to kind of build off of a foundation to build off of and when you are training don't compare yourself to other people I know you people hear that all the time but it's so important Uh, you want to be better than your former self if you could be one percent better than you were yesterday that is going to dramatically improve you come one year come three years five years Uh, and just knowing that pushing the comfort zone is very important, but if you push like way too far beyond the comfort zone, it's unhelpful. It doesn't get you better faster. There's no shortcut to this talent building, the skill building uh, challenge. Uh, You got to find ways to be a little bit uh, past the comfort zone. That's the sweet spot. Uh, If you want a really good book to read, read the talent code Uh, It's a book that studied uh, people from all walks of life, mathematicians, musicians, uh, athletes, and was finding patterns in the way they trained and they were able to build their skill faster than other people, which I highly recommend you uh, give a read. Awesome. Well, thanks for spending some time with us today. Uh, like we said, we're right now, as we're recording this all cooped up at home, trying to you know, fend off this COVID-19 pandemic. So it's great to talk some hockey, even if there's no hockey going on. And let's all hope we can get back to watching and playing as soon as possible. Awesome. Yeah, I know. Thanks for having me, guys. And yeah, stay safe and hope this all passes soon. All right. Thanks, Barbara. We'll uh, hope to see some hockey soon. All right, bud. Sounds good. And that was Pavel Barber, uh, also known as Brandon Barber. But, you know, he made it clear he's Pavel now Um, (laughs) and and well-earned, right? Like if you've seen any of his videos, you see how super talented and skilled he is um, and and certainly well-earned in terms of branding himself. He's, he's got a huge following online. Oh, for sure. And he, and he even said, most people just call him Barber, Powell, Brandon. It's, it's just Barber. Yeah. And that, that interview just for me to make it that to that interview was a challenge in it's, it's own right. You recorded that one in the car, right? That one was uh, in the car in a gas station parking lot in hope. Yeah. 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 And that was one of our first recordings actually. Yeah. Um, if not the first and no, I think it was number three, number three had, after Nabil done, and Hoos, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, it was ju- just at the beginning of the April long weekend, the, the Easter long weekend. And I was late to, uh, to leave, uh, the Okanagan and was hope- hoping that I would be in Abbotsford before we were recording it. But, uh, turned out that we were, uh, about two thirds of the way there and had to stop and record it on the road. Uh, but it worked out. Uh, luckily, technology was it was okay for that for that interview, and and luckily had my trusty iPhone to be able to do that interview with. So, uh, luckily, yeah, it, it worked out. I think. Yeah, one of your more exotic backdrops, right? <laughs> uh, for, for our well, for our phase the, one here. 
the seat cushion behind me. That's about yeah. it. Yeah. Well, you're right by the water. Oh, no, you're in hope. So maybe, yeah. maybe a bit <laughs> no. far from the water, but you came from the water at least. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it, it's, uh, yeah. It was, it, I was happy that I was able to make that interview. And, and, oh, look, we can't forget to, to thank Imran again for joining us last week uh, for Unanchored and, and, and for that chat with Sonny. And, and thanks again for Sonny for, for that chat. And, and uh, it, we're looking forward to definitely having uh, Imran back on the pod again. And, and, it, it was fun to have three to have three people have a chat. Uh, I think it was probably more fun for for our listeners than it was <laughs> for us. Uh, one because they're probably tired of our voices, and and two, um, you know, Imran can be a pain. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know, we had fun with we had fun with Imran. Um, and and it's three people is a different dynamic, right? I, oh, yeah. I I find it to be just more like you know friends hanging out, whereas you and I it still kind of feels like we're hosting a show, right? Where, but once you throw a third person in there, it's like all the planning you can you can do is kind of thrown out the window because you just can't control what so many people are going to say and where the conversation's going to go, right? Oh, exactly. And, and and you know, that's kind of the fun part of doing live live programming. And yeah. well, we're not really doing live, but like we're essentially recording live to tape in a yeah. way. But yeah. Uh, it, it, it's fun that way and, and it makes it, it it makes it more unpredictable and and more dynamic and 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 it i i look forward to us doing that again yeah in the yeah for sure and not not just with imran but with others um who mm-hmm. have specific interests in the topics that we'll be talking about with some some other guests upcoming and um and speaking of lives like you no know, i've been thinking about uh, you know doing some of these uh shows live as well and and we can see how we can make that work uh, taking it on the road some physically distant on location shows that could be could be fun too. We've done that before with other things, and it's back it's, in the old press box yeah, days. Press box days, with, and were you yeah. with us when we went to the Tampa Bay Lightning training camp uh, yes, in Victoria? Yeah. So yeah, that was good fun too. Um, one of our we first used to do from the experiences, <laughs> and, we, and we also did some uh, Canucks pregame from the press box pub. Yeah, exactly. Uh, on on Hastings Street, uh, Hastings and and Renfrew and th- those were fun and I think it'd be it would be an, I I've had some other people suggest that as well that it would be good to 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 take it on the road and and get some get an audience uh involved uh, to come to location and 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 bring a guest live and and do all that and yeah maybe we can do that over over the next little while somebody's gonna to to put up for the uh the rentals i'm down for it (laughs) (laughs) um but anyways yeah that's where sponsorships come in we're talking big things right Uh, we'll get there but uh like sam said wanted to thank everybody for for tuning into our first batch of interviews here we're really looking forward to continuing this and um and and taking you along for the ride yeah, and and before we wrap it up, uh, don't forget to follow our social channels at Unanchored Pod on Twitter, on Instagram at Unanchored Podcast, Facebook Unanchored Podcast, and don't forget to, you can find all the episodes uh, on UnanchoredPodcast.ca. All right, Sam. Well, this was fun. We'll do it again soon, and until then, we'll see you later. Thanks a lot. We'll see you then.